Today on Writers Get Animated, we answer the essential question. What is love? Mackenzie, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Stay tuned. What is love? Mackenzie. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated. I'm Mackenzie Worrell and this is our podcast about storytelling and animation and silent love, the silent killer. <laughs> and I'm Chris Leva. Today we're talking about uh, several short animated films that are about love and love stories um, without talking in them. Uh, this is, of course, inspired by the new, like, internet sensation. Well, new at the time of recording this. The new, at time of recording, internet sensation in a heartbeat, which is the senior thesis film of two people. We'll get into that later. But we've looked for other similar stories that are out there in the world. Yes, love without words. Doesn't that sound like either a self-help book or a bad romance novel? I was going to say it sounds non-consensual. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not thinking about the non-consensual part. I'm trying to think of like the film. I just wanted to qualify what you're thinking about. I'm trying to figure out because it sounds like a Bruce Willis movie from the '90s. <clears throat> Love without Love words. Love without words. Is it like a Bruce Willis action movie from the '90s? Yes, because at that time it was also trying to be dramatic. Love coo 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 without words. Dun, 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 dun. And the. And, and the ellipses are made out of bullet holes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Without, okay, moving on. I, so, actually, I don't think we can move on yet. Because this <laughs> one, I don't think it writes itself. And therefore, you and I are going to start pitching love without words with bullet holes. As, as a feature film. Yeah. <laughs> now we can move on. Uh, wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> so, yes, short films specifically with no dialogue but that still have a lot to say about love and the idea of being in love and taking action on love and what love is all about. Can you tell a story effectively about this deep, meaningful thing that's hard to put words to without using words in your story? <laughs> that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> I, I think it's possible to do that and, we have three examples of this just to show from three different angles ways that people have tried to express this unknowable, unexpressible thing of love. So what what these what these all are about. So we have they're all short films. So we have Paper Man from Disney that originally premiered in front of Wreck It Ralph. We have In a Heartbeat, which is brand spanking new. Um, at least it's been released brand spanking new. They probably worked on it a good long time. And we have An Ode to Love. So three, three ones that all have, interestingly enough, male characters as their protagonists, which is slightly problematic. I tried to find other ones that have women protagonists, but... The way that they tell these stories, the way these specific kinds of love stories are told, it's usually defaulting on male. Hmm. And I couldn't. I noticeably, the, the love interest in all three of these is different as well. Yes. 
And the, the other thing that I did notice is the ones that had women as the protagonist, it was usually not about falling in love. It was usually about a relationship mm. and less about, oh, trying to get the person to finally notice me or trying to get someone's attention or what it's like to fall in love. It was they were in a relationship and either getting out of that relationship into a new relationship or finding what was really in that relationship and redefining the relationship as something good. Hmm. So it, it was difficult. And I, it was, what was interesting about these is the structure is very, very similar in them. And the fact that there is no dialogue whatsoever, but. So tell us about the kinds of love stories that are out there. Now, as, as we often do on this show, we give rules <laughs> And, and then break them. And break them. But as we go through the kinds of love stories that you are able to tell, there's the, what we call the awakening love story or where you find love. You awaken to what it's like to be in love either the first time or you're finding that special person. It's that awakening something new in a person. That's one. Um, the next one is you're actually meeting somebody and being noticed and that's the aim of that story is that other person's going to notice me finally that they've been around each other they know each other but now they're going to be seen as a love interest and not simply as either a nobody or a friend moving out so, of the friend zone into the love zone the love zone the rts um <laughs> So the difference here in the first one of awakening and finding new love is that they're both immediately, it's a mutual interest. And then in your meeting and being noticed, it's a one-way interest and you're trying to convince the other person. Correct. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, and then there's the idea of the structure where it's not just about the finding in love, but it's finding love, losing the love, finding love, losing the love, finding love, and maybe finding yourself in the end or something like that. Where it's, <laughs> it's, it's more about the, it's not the simple act of falling in love. It's including the falling out of love and the ripples that that creates. And then the, the last one is the story of a relationship. As I was saying with that, when we usually have women protagonists, but the story of the relationship versus the single person in love. So it's a story of this relationship between two people and how it goes right or wrong, better or worse. It's that relationship that's the, uns the unspoken of third character, or it's the main character. It's just exemplified by two people. So those are, those are some of the love story tropes and types that you can start to pull on and change and use. But did you have any thoughts for that, Mackenzie? Um, no, I would just say that love is a tale as old as time. Um, therefore. Also, it is a song as old as rhyme. I would. What do you know? I would, I would argue. These are words are making up right now to describe love stories. Um, but I think like, these are the, the tropes, but I think in the modern context, because we're so like inundated with love stories, we have to transform them somehow. We have to do something new with these ideas. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. And, and whether that's 
character-wise or structure-wise, a change has to be made. Something, so, something surprising has to be there. It has to change the way the story is told. And in some cases, that's inserting a different kind of relationship. And sometimes it's just going all the way to the absurd. And sometimes it's having a little bit of Disney magic. Mm-hmm. How would this <laughs> be different if Disney made this movie? <laughs> AK, would this be better with money involved in the budget? <laughs> the Mo- answer is yes. Yes. Solid Yes. A very firm yes. (laughs) Should we start with the Disney one? (laughs) I feel weird not starting with it, but I also feel weird starting with it. So let's let's go ahead and do it. Let's let's talk about the Disney in the room. Yeah, let's let's handle the Disney in the room, and then we could talk about the other ones because the also the other ones are accessible, readily accessible, easy to get to on the internets. Mm-hmm. Um, Paperman, you'd have to do iTunes or some other legitimate way to get it. The best way to get it is to also buy Wreck-It Ralph. So just grab that. Just do yourself a huge service and just buy Wreck-It Ralph. Prepare yourself you'll, for the sequel coming out next year by buying I it now. I was going to say, you'll probably need it for like episode 140 of Where to Animate Animated anyway. So just kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, get your homework done early. Like all good students during, you know, right before the school year, just get all your homework done now. Mm-hmm. It's your summer reading. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Paper Man. Um, Paper Man is one of the most simple love stories that, that I think I've seen in a long time. It's, it just takes a very, very simple idea and allows it to build and grow. And it takes a somewhat conventional story and sprinkles on some of that Disney magic TM onto it to make it something even more interesting. Yeah, it's definitely a visually engaging piece, and I think the story is interesting and the way they handle it. (laughs) Ooh, makes me sneeze. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it's interesting as well. Um, well, when did this come out? This was, um, 2010? 2012. 2012? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's far enough into the computer-generated craze, but it was, um, it's interesting to look at because you don't know right away if it's hand-animated or is it computer-animated. It's hard to tell. It's I think very hard that, to tell. That's just from, like, doing it in black and white for the most part, also. Yes. Yeah. I think if it were in color, you'd be able to tell right away that it was mostly CGI. But they used a new technology called Meander. Okay. (laughs) It's the Meander technology. And you can look that up on YouTube. They have lots of examples of it. But what it allowed them to do is take digital, digitally 3D characters and allow the animators to draw on them and to really see their pencil lines and the fluidity of pencil lines on 3d characters. So the expressiveness of the face, the movement of the hair is really where you start to notice it on the faces and the hair, like 
that moves differently. That doesn't look like CG. That feels hand-drawn. And it, it throws you off because everything else looks so precise, but the faces and the hair feel very, very traditionally Disney in terms of, as we talk about, hand-drawn. And it throws you off. It's a weird optical illusion. Um, and the first time I saw it, I was more distracted by that than the story. People were in interested in the story, and I was just like, is it hand-drawn? Is it computer animated? Is it hand I can't, like, I can't tell. My brain was like, this isn't working. That's um, the danger of knowing too much about animation. Right. And it wasn't that it wasn't working for me. It was just that like, I was just amazed by it. There was something magical in not being able to tell is it, is it animated by a computer or is it animated by hand? Hmm. Like there was something about that that my brain was just not getting. Not that it didn't look good, not that it didn't look beautiful because it does look good and it is beautiful. My brain knowing about animation was just trying to figure that out. And the fact that it couldn't is a testament to the meander technology and the artists at Disney. So talk about the story here. What, um, cause this one, I think is the most traditional love story of the three that we're talking about today. In very many ways. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> hashtag traditional values. No. <laughs> Hashtag all values. Um, so what What for you makes this still interesting, even though it's a more traditional story of like, boy meets girl, and then boy tries to re-meet girl? Yeah, it's, it's really, if you take the plot itself, guy's bored with his job, notices mm -hmm. a girl while they wait, or notices a woman, because she's not a girl, she's... There's a guy, and she notices this woman on this subway stop, and she gets on the subway, and they have this, they have this fun moment where uh, the wind from the very beginning is created as a character which blows one of his pieces of paper into her face, and the piece of paper ends up with her lipstick in the, face of a, in the form of a kiss on, on his document. And the the lipstick on the woman's mouth and the lipstick on the document are the only pieces of color in the, in the whole short. Mm -hmm. And so he just notices her. She gets on the train. He has no chance to say, hey, what's your name? And where do you work? And, you know, would you like to go get some coffee sometime and hang out? Because you seem nice. Even though we just met, I would like to ask you out. This is crazy. And I just met you. <laughs> but call me, maybe? <laughs> I get this looks like it's historical. Maybe she couldn't call him. Maybe there was not a possibility of calling. Right. They, they obviously didn't have cell phones or anything beyond that. But um, then they end up, she ends up going in what looks like a job interview at the building across the way, mm -hmm. um, which is why he hasn't noticed her before today. And the building across the way. So he tries to get her attention by throwing paper airplanes out the window at her. Um, it's a really cute, fun sequence. 
of the guy's boss trying to stop him from turning his work into paper airplanes and yeah, trying to stop the the whimsy of throwing airplanes through New York City. Um, but what what transforms this from just boy sees girl at train and then tries to get her attention and notices her somewhere else is one humor. Because there's just a lot of humor of just simple humor. Um, throwing the, the planes out the window and then birds getting in the way or just <laughs> missing. It's just like he almost got it. And you see why, yeah. he, why he keeps trying again because it's like, oh, that one was really close. He almost got it in there. I think the best moment of that sequence is like when the bird hits the airplane that's about to go in. You just see like from a distance across the street, the guy in the window like, doing the like soft angry shrug of like <laughs> why <laughs> what, what why would that even happen where those birds even come from it's like this moment of destiny like it's meant to happen she happens to be across the street a couple stories down and i can throw a paper airplane at her this girl that i just saw this morning and i don't know her name this is clearly destiny and then destiny's like nope can't get it in the window <laughs> but then the the spot where it changes from traditional to something a little bit more interesting is he's out of paper. <laughs> he runs out to try to find her on his own because she's leaving. So it's obvious that he's probably going to be fired for just leaving, having thrown all the documents. I'm sure none of them are HIPAA violations or non-disclosure <laughs> agreements. You know, I'm sure that there's no, I think they're blank, hopefully. <laughs> so there's not like customer information lying around the streets of New York City. But he he goes out and then you see the the wind pick up these airplanes and start to move them around in ways that mere wind cannot move airplanes. Like this is one step above the beauty of American beauty of mm -hmm. blowing around a bag. Like this, this is wind with intention. <laughs> a mighty wind, one uh, might say. <laughs> it is a mighty wind, and it and it picks up all these airplanes and actually propels him and moves him, and like stay stuck to him. These planes, and um, I think one of the best scenes is he's on a train. The planes are all over him, keeping him in his seat. And there's just a kid sitting there with a balloon staring at him like, what is going on? And he tries to get up and the planes push him back down. And the kid just with the balloon like, what is, what, what is this? I don't understand. The mom like grabs his hand, takes him away. <laughs> exactly. So it, it's that little bit of magic in the end. Like, yes. We're, it's not going to be conventional and we're going to get you guys together somehow. We're going to use Disney magic. And the girl follows the paper airplane, the last paper airplane that he made, the one with the lipstick on it. She follows that and it takes them and they end up together. They end up seat meeting and going yeah. out during the credits. They end up going out for that coffee to learn each other's names and see if, knowing each other's names and knowing details about each other, if it's something that they want to pursue into some sort of 
ongoing relationship. Well, they have lots of time because he just lost his job and she was interviewing for one. So neither one of them is employed. Right. So they have nowhere else they need to be. <laughs> Daytime coffee break. Um, <laughs> I think <clears throat> while this is the most traditional story, I think what I do like about it and why I find this storytelling wise engaging is because it is a realistic perspective and the guy gives up on finding her. Yes. And that's when the wind takes over. Like he as a character has given up. He's not trying anymore. And that's when the day six mocking of wind <laughs> comes into play. It's like destiny you meet. And then destiny like sent a paper airplane over like, well, destiny failed me twice. It's not going to happen again. Um, so I think that's why I appreciate the writing here. And the idea that it was wind that caused them to notice each other in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like the wind blew her papers, presumably her resume, out of her hands and she was trying to catch it. And that's how he notices her. And then the wind also throws the paper into her face. So that way there's that another connection made right there. So it, it was an interesting way of setting up wind from the very beginning as having influence. And then it has a very natural, normal, everyday influence. And then it becomes suspend your disbelief, Disney magic TM wind at the end. Yeah, because writing isn't about just dialogue. Writing is about the action and how you build the tension. And this this short does a magnificent job of building wind as a character and like a main character trying twice at something and failing and giving up. And then that third time, it just works. Mm-hmm. It's a nice, satisfying build on all fronts for all characters. Yes. And I think <clears throat> if he didn't resist against the magic, because he does try to run away from these airplanes, he does try to push the airplanes off of him, he does try to get up at a stop that was different than the one that the airplanes were taking him to. So he's resisting the Disney magic TM (laughs) he's resisting it. So it's not something that he's like excited about. It's him annoyed that these planes are randomly stuck to him. And I think that's part of why you buy it because it's a, it's a normal reaction to having paper airplanes just attack you in the streets of New York and shove you onto a subway train. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I got nothing there. I agree. <laughs> <clears throat> but in terms of love, it's a very simple love. And I do appreciate that it shows them getting coffee afterwards because it's not saying they wanted to make sure that, look, this is not the end. This is not happily ever after they found each other, looked at each other, and now, they're going to go get married. This is a beginning. Right. This is the story of the beginning. And there are many other times where the wind may not be as helpful in their relationship. (laughs) Maybe it will be detrimental. 2 a.m. Honey, no, the wind is back. It's just visiting. It's saying hi. (laughs) Look, it was never about you. It was always the wind. And I just didn't know that until now. I love the wind. 
I was going to say something, and I realized the type of podcast we are and decided against it. So I will have to find out what this is afterward. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, Mackenzie, tune in after this podcast episode, and I will tell you. Deal. So anything else we would like to say about Paperman in terms of setting up the conversation between silent storytelling of a love story? So for Paperman, what, what of your kinds of love stories is this one? So this is a meeting slash being noticed one. Um, no, no, that's, yes, that's what I mean. Meeting, being noticed one, because it's a very one-sided love story. Mm-hmm. You are following him trying to get her attention and be noticed that, hey, I, wa- I want to talk to you. The one thing that's different about it is the fact that they are strangers and it's not that they've known each other for a long time. Mm -hmm. One other way to tell this story is to make it known that they always see each other at the same subway stop, but Mm -hmm. today's different, you know? Yeah. But then why would today be different? That's the, that complicates it. That's what I'm saying. It's the, it's different because they're strangers. So the usually the meeting and being or the meeting and being noticed is about to one person who sees the other person and there's not mutual interest and they meet continually and the other person has no idea the other person exists. Hey, you know what's a good example of that? Oh, which which is it? Which is it? <laughs> Let's talk about um, the the new animated short, Sweeping the Internet, in a Heartbeat, which is a senior thesis of uh, two student animators, Esteban Bravo and Beth David. And they had posted a trailer for this online, and they've um, just posted the whole film as their, their senior thesis. Uh, so it's available to watch on YouTube or other places on the Internet. And it's doing that thing that I've always been a little confused by, which is a lot of reaction videos. Maybe I'm too old. There are reaction videos to this? Yes. So okay. they there's one reaction video of people just watching it, and there's another reaction video of, you know, those people who do the, the kids react to, like, here's a crazy computer from the 80s, and they try yeah. to get kids to understand it. They have elders react to in a heartbeat. So they show um, older people this animated short and ask them questions about it and show their reactions to it. I'm sure that's adorable. Yeah. I'll put a link in our show notes or something. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very well-made film. I think that it looks very smooth. It totally looks like something you could get out of um, quality wise, something out of like DreamWorks or Sony animation today. It's very high quality. Yes. Um, So for a student thesis, well done. Amazing. The, The character animation, the character design is really pleasing. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy. It's like one of the brothers, one of the triplets from Brave grew up and is in high school now. <laughs> That's what he looks like. It's one of the brothers from Brave grown up. I, that's how I'm totally watching this movie from here on forward. It's a sequel to Brave that you didn't <laughs> know you needed set in with time travel. With time travel, yeah. Or the yeah. son of one of the triplets from Brave. Oh, it's like that. Ah, uh, 
I don't know. There's some kind of, like, romance series about this time-traveling nurse from, like, World War One in England who goes back to Scottish Highlands and, like, this castles. That's what I'm picturing now. Is that the, is that the out, Outlander something? I think so. That's it. Yes. We just listened to music on that on accident yesterday. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> that's what In a Heartbeat is. It's Outlander for gays. Um, spoilers. <laughs> well, why don't you tell a little bit more about that spoiler then? Um, so it does follow. Here's what I have to say. It, it is very well animated, as we said. These are student animators. are not necessarily student writers, but they obviously wrote this short. Um, so it follows some of the kind of tropes that Chris was just talking about, as you were saying, um, of one character trying to get another to notice them but there's this complicated thing of they go to school together so like why is today different of all days um so there's not really anything establishing like why today the story's happening versus any other day of school like today the one character's heart decides to manifest itself as anthropomorphic floating being that's going to express its love for the other character um and there's a lot of business kind of in the middle of it which is funny um, but it's like Looney Tunes business of like these comical slapstick situations of um, the character whose heart has left his body trying to capture and hide his heart from the love interest and getting into romantically compromising positions while he's doing it. Which is, it's it's funny, it works, but it's, um, I don't know if it has the, the pacing you might expect from a short film. Um, and again, not that I'd expect student animators to have, like, this film is already really high quality for student animation. I don't think that we should expect them to have this magical Disney TM magic thing. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it surprised me with how, with how well it was animated. It, it surprised me with just the the simpleness and how well executed the the physicalization of things were so the mm -hmm. physical comedy of it was interesting it was there was some of the story was just a little bit confusing and i think you hit it a little bit is why is it different today for this character mm -hmm. why is his heart doing something new and different and crazy today Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And again, animate, it would be a lot to cram into your animation degree to like do a whole writing degree on top of that too. Like I, <laughs> this is not yeah. an expectation that we have. I just want to make that clear. It's not a detriment to this film and the context of how this film was made. No, I would definitely recommend people to go see it. To Absolutely. Go, go to the internet and watch it. Um, as like as of today and recording 20 million people have already done so you know it's pretty good audience for a student film <laughs> right right i'm now, sure that both these people will have very lucrative careers can you walk us through the story as it stands um it's this very traditional thing um as we're kind of talking about the the one character's heart leaves his body and he's kind of trying to prevent his heart from expressing its interest in the other character because he's either confused or scared of it. We're not really clear on the details there, but he's hiding from the other character Then he has to get in these compromising positions, hiding his heart from the other character. And they almost kiss at one point and he 
um, runs away embarrassed. And then the other character goes into the front doors of the school and you think, oh, it's over. Oh, no. Um, and the character with the heart who's left his body, the heart escapes and runs into the school and grabs the other character's hand, in which the, the boy whose heart is on the loose runs after him and they wind up in the front hallway of the school in front of all the other peers, kind of bent over as the heart is holding on to one boy on the floor and the boy whose heart it is is trying to pull the heart off of it and he's looking around seeing the looks of their students and as he's pulling harder and harder to break away from his love interest the heart is literally breaking into um until he rips his heart in half and escapes embarrassed by that everyone had to see that um and the denouement is that the um, the love interest comes out with the other half of Broken Heart and puts it back together. And then both their hearts glow and become one. Yeah. But but In a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I should have actually counted the heartbeats. In <laughs> 84 heartbeats. <laughs> so what is what is traditional about this and what is untraditional about it? I think what's traditional is we have a main character who's interested in another character who doesn't necessarily show any interest back until, like, the very end. Um, it's very much like a one-sided perspective on the love story. Um, there's one character who has an interest and love, and then everything works out. Um, and I think what's untraditional is, of course, they're both dudes, um, which is nice, and I'm glad to see that. And apparently the internet has a thirst for, like, queers and animation. Who knew? Steven Universe taught us nothing from Tumblr. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> um, and so it kind of adds the additional layer of, like, what is keeping their love from happening is the embarrassment of the character in love. Um, from all of his peers realizing that he's interested in this person. Like, that's the, the obstacle here. He doesn't want anyone to know. I think that's a non-traditional obstacle to throw, but yeah. Well, I think everyone's always been afraid of that other person finding out that they have these feelings because either they're a friend and you don't want to change the friendship or they, they're the cool person and you're not the cool person. And that person's going to think like, wow, you are really out of my league or whatever reason. But then you also have the idea of, I think I think somebody posted something about outing yourself, mm-hmm. not just that you are in love, but who with whom you are in love, mm-hmm. and that is where the that adds another layer to the fear in the film. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a quote from Esteban because we're on first name basis. Mm-hmm. with Esteban and Beth. Um, but Esteban's quote was saying, we really wanted to bring light to a subject that is rarely explored in computer animation, and we want people to be a little bit more understanding and aware of what the experience of being gay is like through an animated short that is sweet and lighthearted. And it succeeds in that, for sure. <clears throat> I mean, it's as you said, it's generated all these reaction videos of people like exploring, like, what is it like to see two guys in love in animation? <laughs> and it's it's really innocuous and it's really 
I think the only thing untraditional, as you were saying, there's two guys in it. Um, there's also the idea of this anthropomorphic, um, not Tex Avery style heart <laughs> character who who pops out and has the cutest emoji-like mouth. Like mm-hmm. it's just really big smile and emoji, really big eyes. It's like an emoji style heart going after him with, and just like, just completely in love and ready to express this love and by any means necessary. Um, Jack was really, my, my son, Jack, four years old was a little bit traumatized by the heartbreaking. (laughs) I, I'm not surprised by Jack being traumatized by that at all, but he was very excited. And when I asked him, because I showed him these three films. Mm-hmm. Um, when I showed him and I asked him what his favorite thing was, it's like when the heart got put back together, when the heart was helped to be put back together. And it's interesting that the heartbreak is not that somebody else broke the heart, but it's that the heartbreak was being seen. Mm-hmm. And that's what causes the heartbreak. I mean, go ahead. Jack is very feelings oriented, and I think um, that's not a criticism of Jack. That's yay, Jack! Awesome. <laughs> he's um, he very much so. Yeah. So I mean, he he. I'm also not surprised that his favorite thing is the physical manifestation of like healing, <laughs> healing feelings. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly sweet, and I love hitting people over the head with a big stick. Like I, I don't think we do that enough in animation. <laughs> and this this short certainly does that, and I value that. And so, do we do we have anything else that we want to talk about in terms of the way it tells its love story? I I think there were the only surprises were with how with the silliness. I think it was a pleasant surprise that the other guy came out with a heart and healed it, but you kind of felt like. Once the heart was breaking, I was like, well, I know where this is heading. Mm-hmm. I, I can see where we're headed. Not that, not as a criticism of bad, um, not intention. What's, what's the word I'm looking for where you do something? <laughs> That's the most generic. I know. I'm really word. sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Oh, it's it's like execution. That's the word I mean. Uh-huh. So it's not poor execution in terms of that. It's I think that in an animated short film, as we've discussed before, usually you have one little problem, and that one little problem, once that one little problem gets resolved, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. So the only there were only two real resolutions to this problem of your heart coming out and expressing itself. And that's for the heart to be, get broken and stay broken, or the heart to get broken and be fixed. Be, be fixed. Mm-hmm. Now it's the question of who was going to do the fixing. You know, was it the love interest himself who would fix it, the character himself, or somebody else entirely? I mean, that's that's a philosophical debate for gay culture. Um, 
that's bigger than this short film. <laughs> well, what I, that's what I'm saying is those are the those are the options for how it was going to turn out. The easiest, dramaturgically, the cleanest, <laughs> you the know, cleanest non-break <laughs> would be to go towards the love interest just brings the heart back and they have a healing moment and then you find out that there's something there that wasn't there in the rest of the film. Yeah. It's it's not bad that you expect it. It's a short film. Right. Um, but we do have another film where something else does physically break. Yes, and you are beaten over the head with a stick. <laughs> Maybe two <laughs> sticks. You don't know. <laughs> so this is... An Ode to Love by Brown Bag Films, who do some really great work. They do good things in the world, like they bring Doc McStuffins to life. So good job, Brown Bag. Um, and this film is written and directed by Matthew Dara and produced by Susie Belton and Danielle Considine. So sorry, Danielle, Susie, and Matthew, if I mispronounced your names. And another important contributor is music, by Stefan French. And I think that music is, if there is a single character in here, um, it's the man. Mm -hmm. And then as we will talk about, as I explain the plot, there's a couple of sticks and then there's love itself. And then the fourth one, the fourth character is music and sound. And this one takes because it's all done without dialogue, this one says, well, let's restrict things even further and take away any chance of dialogue <laughs> because it takes place on a deserted island. Mm -hmm. You have a man by himself sitting on a beach looking very gruff with a long beard and long, unruly, beautifully rendered hair. Mm -hmm. And um, he's just sitting there, day, night, just sitting there by himself until the one day a stick washes up to shore. And his imagination awakens. And he, the stick and the music and the sound design takes him on a journey of using it to sword fight, um, using it to uh, play baseball, using it to conduct an orchestra. And while the orchestra is playing beautiful, resonant music, the man realizes that he's in love with this stick. And he's in love, I think, because he's not bored anymore, because we begin with just like this dull boredom. And then he has all these adventures, a la Boss Baby. Um, in his imagination. Yes, right. I was like, how is this like Boss Baby? But that is why, yes. <laughs> and so then then what happens, Mackenzie? Well, so after he's had this wonderful adventure with the stick, one day he sees another stick wash up on shore. He's like, oh, great. Now I have two of this thing. How wonderful. And they have this great day, like, frolicking together, and they have, like, this dinner of coconuts as you do with your stick friends. Um, and the man falls asleep, drunk on coconut milk. 
Um, <laughs> Which is a great gag. Just like, oh man, we went on this bender of co- <laughs> coconut milk and he's barely able to wake himself up. And he groggily wakes up and he finds his two sticks together. And like, it's hard to explain in words what this is, but there's one stick, which is just like one straight stick. And the other stick has like a fork at the end. And the way the sticks are laying on top of each other is very suggestive. If you can describe (laughs) two sticks laying on top of each other as suggestive. (laughs) (laughs) It's just two sticks sitting next to each other, but it's in the music and in his reaction you understand what those two sticks laying together means for him. His two friends have decided to uh, be together and go behind his back about it. And you just watch him as he spends the day (laughs) from different angles, staring at his two sticks in flagrante delecto and not involving him. It's just really, really interesting to see that happen. And you just see the the anger that he feels for the second stick having ruined his utopia. Throws the second stick, the fork stick away. Tries to rekindle the relationship with the first stick in terms of, look, let's try this baseball thing again. Let's sword fight. Let's play music, but none of it's working the way it should. Hey, baby, I know your friend's gone, but we can still have a good time. And then, in the end, the 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 stick breaks, and there's no way to put it back together again. So he's left alone again. Mm -hmm. It's the full circle. That was really dark. (laughs) (laughs) It's the full circle of love. Loneliness, togetherness, jealousy, and loneliness again. Like Werner Herzog. I would love to see a Werner Herzog narration on top of this short film. <laughs> he found the stick. It but is... the utopia could not last. <laughs> so this one is a little bit different because of, one, it's a comedy. I mean, the In a Heartbeat had comedic elements in it. Mm-hmm. But this is over-the-top comedy to the point of absurdity. Mm -hmm. Um, A man in love with a stick. And two sticks, one would argue. And then, the but it understands the tropes of love stories. It understands what those tropes are. And the thing that makes it funny is our recognition of what those tropes are and the fact that it's two sticks. It subverts your expectations. Like, oh, it's a love story, but it's not at all a traditional love story. No, not whatsoever. And the other thing (laughs) that they have going on in there is what I call the Wilson effect (laughs) (laughs) from Castaway, the Tom Hanks film where we have a main character's understanding of reality and the total conviction that character has that can manipulate the audience to have feelings for an inanimate object. Whereas Tom Hanks can make us mourn the loss and death of a volleyball, Wilson. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, 
it's still there in my heart somewhere, just like, well, sad. Tom Hanks still says that he gets, that's the thing that most people shout at him on the streets. So like, Wilson. Wilson. Like that's, it's just part of it. Like, and then it's not until outside of the context that we recognize the absurdity of that moment. Like if you watch the Wilson scene on YouTube by itself, it's ridiculous and absurd and very much like this ode to joy. Mm-hmm. Very much. If you watch it within the context of everything that happens to it, it's a heartbreaking moment. <laughs> but on its own, he's mourning a volleyball. He's mourning. Like, I cried at that scene in the movie theater. In the movie theater, I wept tears for... Um, a man losing his volleyball. Well, it's it's an emotional moment, but it's that's why it's part of pop culture. Like, have you seen um, Last Man on Earth? No, I have not. I, I think there's lots of problems in that show. But the funny part <laughs> why that's relevant here um, is because this is part of pop culture, we can talk about inanimate objects on a lost island. It's That show's about the last man on Earth. Mm-hmm. And he makes a friend, but it's not just like a friend. He has... He goes to like a sports equipment store and like gets all of the different types of balls and paints faces on them. So he has like a series of sports balls that he talks to instead of just one volleyball. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's very funny. So it, it it's interesting that it it completely plays it up for its absurdity, and I think if it had played it up for its dramatic effect. One, it you do feel a little bit, you feel exactly what he's feeling in terms of the rejection and the jealousy when those two sticks are together because mm-hmm. the, the music, the emotion, the lighting, the weather in that moment, there's that shock and it's meant to be like, see how awful this is? Those two sticks are together. <laughs> Look what they're doing. It's disgusting. And it just it just plays it for real. And it's just the fact that it does it with such conviction makes all the difference. And and the, also it, it helps towards the end when we start getting the weather changes and the rain and the rain becomes really huge and uh, rains very hard at the end and mm-hmm. the devastating moment of breaking the, the original stick. Happens. Well, you, you've hoped for a moment with the rain too, because he's like, it's raining really hard. Things aren't working with the original stick, and he tries to conduct the orchestra again. You believe for a second it's going to work as the rain begins to let up, and then things get discordant, and the rain comes down harder than ever. So it's like this nice tick of hope there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's weather, it's sound, and everything just pulls together in that moment to manipulate you in a good way. Mm-hmm. In a funny way. In a very funny way. So I think it in this last one, an ode to love, and I'm sorry, an ode to love, it, mm-hmm. it allows for, if you know what those tropes are, and anyone who's been in a relationship or <laughs> a, can understand this, even though it's silly and ridiculous, this, this is 
familiar. And it plays off of that familiarity for its absurdity. And I think that you don't have to have familiarity to make something absurd really land well, but it, it lands so well because of that familiarity. So anything else we need to say about Ode to Love? I don't think so. Yeah, these are all three of them were love stories that kind of try to subvert what love stories can be in some way. Mm-hmm. Whether it's how they try to fall in love, the kind of love it is, or what they're in love with. <laughs> yes. Be it stranger, be it boy, be it stick. Stranger, boy, stranger, or stick. <laughs> Did you have a favorite thing out of any of these things, Mackenzie? I love the dramatic discovery of the sticks laying on top of one another, but I also love right after that, um, as our castaway is looking at the sticks from different angles, it's like the moment where he like is in the ocean and he kind of pops out of the water briefly. Yes. <laughs> it, it was very cookie monster. Yeah. Yes. I, for me, um, <laughs> It was just that the the realization of the very first stick and you see him playing with the stick in all the ways that you know you would if that's all you had. Mm-hmm. It's like, of course, it's like, this is why I've been bored because there's nothing else here. So just the sound design, the base, hearing the baseball game and living in his life when he hits the... You even hear the a splash of water from the fake ball that gets hit and you know everything that that happens it's just really really fun so I, I just really enjoy it that just that whole first meeting the stick moment <laughs> boy meets stick boy meets stick that boy, sounds like never mind boy meets second stick boy loses second stick Boy breaks first stick. Boy has no more stick. No comment. (laughs) Uh. For your homework. Sorry, I just go ahead. No, no, I I think you started this. You can finish it. For your homework. Watch. Castlevania on Netflix. Or in one year's time, I will come back and haunt you. Ah, ah, ah. Ah. As always, <laughs> thank you to our engineer, Nigel. <laughs> thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino. And to Jacob Reed for our theme music. Find us on the web by tweeting at us your favorite love story. Tell us what you thought about any of these three shorts uh, at WG Animated on Twitter, on Facebook. Like us on Facebook.com slash WG Animated. And we will put links to these shows, these shorts, and other things that we found, fun little tidbits, on our Tumblr, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Now I know what love is, what love is, 
right now. Good night, everybody.